Well, I think that a lot of um, people who want to write a book think they can just write any old book and then market it and it'll sell a bunch of copies. And the truth is that once you write the book, most of the marketing is done. And so what you have to understand mm. is that we don't pay attention to people because their ideas are good or even true. We pay attention to people because their ideas are interesting. So it's not enough to be good. You have to write an interesting book. And uh, Murray Davis, a sociologist, defines that interesting as an attack on the taken for granted. So you have to take people's expectations and subvert them in some way if you want your book to resonate with your audience. You have to take what your audience takes for granted and do something different, right? So mm. uh, the four-hour work week, the five love languages, the great Gatsby, uh, these are all books that surprise their audiences in some way and eventually became mega bestsellers uh, as a result of that surprise, right? When we are caught off guard um, by something, it becomes more memorable. Seth Godin calls this a purple cow, right? If you're driving mm -hmm. down the road and you see brown cow, brown cow, brown cow, purple cow, that's different. I'm used to cows, it's no cow, but I'm used to cows being brown. This one's purple, it's different. In marketing, that's called same but different. How is your book like something else? My book is like the four-hour work week, but it's for stay-at-home moms, right? Um, how is your book like something else, but different in some fundamental way? If you can do that, you win. So I, I think most people fail because at the very beginning, they don't make that decision to create something interesting. They want, they feel like they have a story and they have four friends tell them that they should write about it. And that's fine if that's what you want to do. That's what you feel like you need to do to get your idea out there. But if you want people to buy this book, if you want it to resonate with them, if you want to uh, publish a bestseller, whatever you think that might mean, um, you have to start with an interesting idea, right? So interesting ideas lead to great books and good ideas lead to terrible books. That was Jeff Gowen. I had honor and pleasure to meet him in person at last year's Upreneur Summit. Jeff is a writer, speaker, and entrepreneur. He's the best-selling author of five books, including The Art of Work and Real Artists Don't Starve. His award-winning blog, GoonWriter.com, is literally visited by millions of people every year. Through his online courses, events, and coaching programs, he helps thousands of writers succeed every year. Jeff lives with his family just outside of Nashville, where he makes the world's best guacamole. Well, he says so, then we believe so. I know many of you that you want to write a book, and not just write a book, but a best-selling book. And that is literally, we're going to tell you how this episode. Here are some key lessons. How good ideas lead to bad books, but interesting ideas lead to potential bestsellers. Why inner integrity is more important than you think. Three tips on how to write a bestseller and two types of fear that can motivate you to write a book and how to utilize both effectively. Are you excited? Can you tell this is one of those episodes you're going to have to take your notebook and pen out? Now, let's check with Jeff. Welcome to the Christian CEO Podcast. 
I'm Katie Bother, and I have built an impactful location independent business since 2008 with plenty of rejections, English as my third language, and lots of God's grace. Each week, we will be sharing relevant and direct advice or inspiring interviews with one intention. It's your time to go pro with your marketplace calling. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, Kelly. Good to be here. Uh, you know, my uh, tribe, they are all very, very excited because as I, I told them that I got to interview you. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the uh, intro uh, section, I already uh, told them how awesome you are. But we always mm-hmm. love to hear from you personally. That can you tell us a little bit about um, the Jeff going then and till the Jeff going now? I mean, what is the journey in between a little bit? Sure. Um, so I was born and raised in uh, the United States and uh, just outside of Chicago. And um, uh, went to college and um, studied uh, religion and Spanish, uh, studied abroad in Spain for a semester, uh, fell in love with travel while I was there, uh, ended up um, graduating from college and touring the country, touring all of North America, uh, Canada, uh, and Taiwan, actually. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were real big in Taiwan. Uh, I toured with a band uh, for a year. It was a Christian uh, worship group. And uh, then I moved to Nashville. I quit the band and then moved to Nashville, which is the opposite order in which those things tend to happen. Uh, moved here to chase a girl, ended up marrying her, started a family. Okay, uh, that's a good ROI, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good ROI, that's right. Um, yeah, it worked out. Uh, those things don't always work out that way. Um, yeah, and I started working for a nonprofit organization, a missions organization, right? So, um, I was able to actually didn't grow up, uh, as, as a Christian, I became a Christian in college. I had this sort of radical faith, um, conversion experience. Mm. And so, you know, fell in love with travel and started working for a mission organization that was a way for me to sort of combine my faith with a love for travel. Uh, I started doing marketing for this missions organization. I didn't know anything about marketing. I thought marketing was evil. And uh, my um, uh, my boss introduced me to Seth Godin's blog, and he said, "Here, you're you're in charge of marketing now. Read this blog, and you'll figure it out." And I did, um, and I learned a lot about all oh, my marketing. We didn't have any. We didn't really have a marketing budget. And so I had to think of scrappy, cost-effective ways to get our message out into the world, recruit people for our mission trips, and uh, help raise money for the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that for seven years, and I learned a lot about online marketing. I learned a lot about uh, writing, communicating. Uh, I was training our missionaries on how to blog. And so I learned a lot about blogging. And through this process of helping other people tell their stories, I realized that I had effectively told my own story that I wanted to do that. And so I started a blog. Uh, it took off. I ended up uh, quitting my job because I had um, more than replaced my income. I quintupled my income in about six months, 5 x my income. Uh, I was working for you know a nonprofit, so it wasn't that big of an income. Uh, yeah. But still, it was, it was huge. Um, it was a big deal. Quit my job. My wife quit her job. We had a kid, started a business, and I wrote two books all in the first year. That was 2012. Wow. And I've been doing that ever since, uh, writing books, speaking, 
and helping other people get their ideas out into the world. So you have been Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. We um we spent a month there in uh in the Taipei area. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's where fun. that's where I'm from. Well, there you go. We're in Danshui. Danshui. Okay. That's not bad because I used to live Tianmu, so it's not far off. So, yep. I, so did you enjoy the food? I love the food. Yeah. And as you know, most people go out to eat for yeah. most meals, right? It's yeah. really cheap and delicious and amazing. Uh, that was my favorite. That was probably my favorite part. It was incredible. Sorry, guys. We just had to talk yeah. about food. I mean, um, actually, in our family, it doesn't matter where. We just talk about food. And uh, so my husband was a chef. So what, what can you do? I mean, we just I love food. About- <laughs> yeah. 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 So it it's great. interesting it that um, so you you mentioned that you graduate. I mean, you study in Spain. So you also spe- speak Spanish? Uh-huh. Yeah, I study Spanish. Okay. Yeah, so uh, you are not very typical. My uh, a lot of my American friends they don't speak a whole lot of other languages. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Oh, that's so neat. So, yeah. um, how long did it take for you to took off? Because you say you took off your blocks and yeah, I think the whole process took about two years, <clears throat> and it is worth noting that this was my tenth blog, right? So I had nine other failed blogs. So over the course of my 20s, I was starting all kinds of blogs, all kinds of projects, things that I um, was trying to, you know, turn into something, uh, you know, business, something, you know, I wanted to, I I knew that I wanted to build, I don't even know if I thought of it as a business, but I wanted to help my words reach the people that they were meant for. And if I could make some money doing that, that would be great. You know, I never really thought of myself as a businessman. And so this was all pretty new to me. So I did this nine different times. I would start a blog. I would, you know, I would post on it for, you know, six or seven or eight weeks. And then I would get bored or distracted and I'd fall off the wagon. I'd forget about it. And then six months later, I would do it again. (laughs) And so every time I had a new idea, every time I took a shower, I'd have an idea. I'd go start a new blog. But I would never see them through. And when they didn't immediately take off, I would get bored and move on. And so I did this, you know, so a bunch of things had happened. But, um, you know, one of the things that happened was I got to this point where I was really tired of doing that. I was tired of, of not of failing necessarily, although I was tired of that, but I was tired of not following through. Mm. Right? I, I was losing integrity with myself. I wasn't keeping my promise to myself. And so um, I had a conversation with a friend and he asked me what my dream was. And I said, I don't know. And he said, really? Because I would have thought your dream was to be a writer. And I said, oh yeah, I I guess I'd like to do that someday. And he said, Jeff, you don't have to want to be a writer. You are a writer. You just need to write. Um, And so the next day I started a new blog and then I got up at five o'clock in the morning and I I wrote on it. Mm. And it was wonderful and exhilarating and nobody read it. And that was okay. Cause I was now doing this thing that I had always wanted to do, but never really fully given myself permission to do it. And then I did it again the next day and the next day and the next day. And soon I had decided that I was going to do this every single day for the next two years without fail before I quit. And my thought was, what if I just didn't do what I've always done, which is quit. Right. Mm. And so for the first six months, 
basically nobody read my blog. I had about 72, 72 uh, readers. And in the seventh month of the first week, I launched an ebook called The Writer's Manifesto, a free lead magnet, and over a thousand people downloaded it. So I went from 72 email subscribers to now a thousand email subscribers. And that changed everything, right? And then within another six months, I had about 10,000 readers. And then uh, six months after that, I had uh, over 100,000 monthly readers. Um, so uh, after, after about a year, I had 10,000 email subscribers. I realized that I could monetize this. I could probably find a way to make some money off of this. So I sent a survey out to my audience, got a thousand responses, and they told me that they wanted to pay me for something. And most people said it was an ebook. And so I ended up writing my first ebook in 2012. I made a few thousand bucks off of it. I was kind of embarrassed of it. So I took it down. I edited it. I put it on Amazon a couple months later, relaunched it. The name of it was You Are a Writer, so start acting like one. Mm. Uh, it sold about 10,000 copies in the first few months and started making me three, four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000 a month. Uh, people read that book and wanted me to teach them the principles in the book. Mm. Uh, so I, I launched an online course um, called Tribe Writers uh, based around that book. And, um, and by the end of 2012, um, <laughs> I had I had more than replaced my income as I shared, and so that that all all said and done, it was about um, you know not quite two years from starting it to quitting my job and going full time with it. Well, I'm so glad that you shared that. Well, that is your nice or tense block. First of all, yes, <laughs> you did not yeah. just you, you did not just you just start one block and in two years it took off that wasn't the case right no that's not what happened i also love what you say it's uh the integrity to ourselves. um yes. i mean <laughs> when this episode we release will be the first week of february mm. and people mm. just gone through the first <coughs> month month of 2020 mm-hmm. and so um probably it's kind of reality reality start to hit a little bit uh, yeah. Whether they keep that promise to themselves or not, yeah, for the for the right. new year. So, mm-hmm. I really appreciate you share that. So, what was the f- number one thing keep you writing? If I ask, I think it was fear, uh, the good kind fear. of fear. I think there's good fear and bad fear. Yeah, uh, bad fear is um, I'm afraid to do this. If I do this, something bad is going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, good fear is what happens if I don't do this, right? Mm. And I started to fear what my life might look like if I didn't answer what I felt like was a calling mm-hmm. to write more. And so what kept me writing on days when I did not want to write, uh, it still keeps me writing, is the feeling that if I don't do this, I'm not living up to my calling. And that scares me, right? That's why I'm here. If I don't do that, I miss my purpose. I don't fully actualize it. I miss out on all the blessings and all the good things that can come as a result of that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all, we all, one day we all have to answer that question when we're standing in front yeah. of the Lord, right? Have you done yeah. what I asked you to do? <laughs> yeah. And right. And I think that isn't just, you know, it's, it's obedience 
I think joy follows obedience. Mm. And, and so it's not necessarily all these um, things that we do to, you know, suffer for a calling necessarily. It's, it's also yeah. like, did you do this thing that you wanted to do that you were afraid to do that you thought you weren't worthy of, you know? Yeah. 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 That reminded me when I published my, my book in 2012 and because mm-hmm. it's a personal mm-hmm. story, Mm-hmm. Uh, was tough, but um, yeah. yeah, but that was a fear. That was a fear. Say, okay, if I oh. don't do it, I probably couldn't answer that question that day. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. That's so, important. what are the some key mistakes that you you see um, after you uh, mentor so many uh, entrepreneurs to write their book? Well, I think that a lot of um, people want to write a book think they can just write any old book and then market it and it'll sell a bunch of copies. And the truth is that once you write the book, most of the marketing is done. And so what you have to understand mm. is that we don't pay attention to people because their ideas are good or even true. We pay attention to people because their ideas are interesting. So it's not enough to be good. You have to write an interesting book. And uh, Murray Davis, a sociologist, defines that interesting as an attack on the taken for granted. So you have to take people's expectations and subvert them in some way if you want your book to resonate with your audience. You have to take what your audience takes for granted and do something different, right? So Mm. uh, the four-hour work week, the five love languages, the great Gatsby, uh, these are all books that surprise their audiences in some way and eventually became mega bestsellers uh, as a result of that surprise, right? When we are caught off guard, um, by something, it becomes more memorable. Seth Godin calls this a purple cow, right? For driving mm-hmm. down the road, and you see brown cow, brown cow, brown cow, purple cow. That's different. I'm used to cows. It's not cow, but I'm used to cows being brown. This one's purple. It's different. In marketing, that's called same but different. How is your book like something else? My book is like the four hour work week, but it's for stay at home moms, right? Um, how is your book like something else, but different in some fundamental way? If you can do that, you win. So I I think most people fail because at the very beginning, they don't make that decision to create something interesting. They they feel like they have a story and they have four friends tell them that they should write about it. And that's fine if that's what you want to do. That's what you feel like you need to do to get your idea out there. But if you want people to buy this book, if you want it to resonate with them, if you want to uh, publish a bestseller, whatever you think that might mean, um, you have to start with an interesting idea, right? So interesting ideas lead to great books and good ideas lead to terrible books <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a fruit of a salt and before actually i want to ask the question i know the listener now is thinking okay so jeff please tell me then what are some specific steps that i can make sure i can have a good start to run my bestseller but before that i really love you to elaborate the phrase best seller because sure. I, I love what you say in the um in the Upreno summit yeah so bestseller is not a book that you know is on the amazon bestseller list for 12 seconds or um or a, or a book oh sorry uh or a book that um uh hits the you know new york times bestseller list necessarily for a week and then never sells another copy a bestseller, uh, the, the way that term was originally and intended, and it's been 
corrupted since then is yeah. a book that sells better than most books of its kind. A bestseller is a book that sells better than most books of its kind and in some way fundamentally changes the category. A bestseller is a book that sells better than most of its kind uh, and in some way fundamentally changes its category. So after Ernest Hemingway, you could not write a novel without thinking about a Hemingway novel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, after Malcolm Gladwell, you could not write a business book without thinking about Malcolm Gladwell, right? And so these are authors who have um, taken their categories and they've done something extraordinary with them and they've changed the category for the better. And so that's Mm -hmm. what a a true bestseller is. It's a book that um, sells really well for a long time uh, and um, adds something, adds some some new thing, could be something small, but adds something new to the collective consciousness of that particular subject, field, industry, whatever. Yeah, it, it's it just like what you say moments ago. Um, it's so corrupted that that term because people just say, "Okay, as long I can get my book sold right. in certain amount of, of of copies in that particular right, right, right. week." Yeah, right. and uh, so I, that's why I would love love you to elaborate about that. Yeah. Um, so now, can you teach us what are some specific uh, action steps that we can take? to at least get started to write our bestsellers? Well, I would start with the idea. So start with your idea, not with a book, right? When somebody asks you what the book is about, they're really asking you, why should I read it? Which is another way of saying, is it interesting? Mm. And ideas are always interesting when you say it's like this, but different like this, where everybody thinks this, but what's actually true is this. So, um, uh, I, uh, everything that I do in this realm and in marketing and uh, book writing and ghostwriting, which is something I do as well, um, uh, is, is based on psychology, right? Marketing is, is really based on psychology. Yeah. And, and, um, there was a guy named Maria Davis, who is a psychologist and sociologist professor wrote this paper in 1971 called that's interesting. And in that paper, he lists these different phenomena of interesting content. And, and this is the idea where you have to take an attack on the, you have to kind of stage an attack on the taken for granted. And so he lists these 12 different areas and I'll just list a few of them that when you do this, you immediately have an interesting idea. So what's good is actually bad or what's bad is actually good, Mm. right? So when Malcolm Gladwell wrote David and Goliath, we think strength is good, but strength can sometimes actually be weakness, right? That's good is bad, bad is good, right? Uh, what's big is small, what's small is big. Tipping point is another example of that. Little things lead to big change, right? It's not big mm-hmm. things. Everybody thinks big things lead to big change, but the truth is little things do. Oh, wow, that's interesting, right? Um, uh, uh, what's old is new. What's new is old. So uh, you see this in politics, right? Make America great again is is nostalgia, right? Yep. It was a way better marketing campaign than I'm with her. It just was. Exactly. It, yep. Yeah, so Make America Great Again is actually saying things were better back then. And you go, well, when back then? When African-Americans were being beat up in the streets by police officers, right? When we didn't have a polio vaccine, when women couldn't vote, when when were things great? It doesn't matter. It's it's an interesting idea. It doesn't matter in the sense that like that idea, interesting ideas spread, even if they're not true. Now, I want you to have interesting ideas that are also true and good and are intentionally deceitful. But you need to understand this is how it works. You have to have an interesting idea. A good idea that's not interesting uh, won't spread. 
Um, so that make America great again is what's old is new, right? Mm. It's making making the old new again. Uh, uh, Stoicism and everything that Ryan Holiday is doing around that is that here's an ancient philosophy. Here's a two thousand year old philosophy that we can live our lives by today. What's old is new, right? And it's you know he's selling millions of copies of his books with that message, right? Um, so those are those are a few different um, areas. What's good is bad. Bad is good. Big is small. Small is big. Old is new. New is old. Start with that, and then think about the phrase. Everybody thinks X, but what's actually true is Y. And if you can write it in a sentence, if you can say it in a sentence, you know what the category of your book is and how you're going to subvert it, right? So it's like this, but different like that. Mm. And then have an interesting idea and then be, be, be able to say it in a sentence. Uh, everybody thinks X, but what's actually true is Y. You have an interesting idea and that's the basis of a good book. Mm. Yeah, and I'm sure that when we will put all the um, Jeff's links, I, almost, I also know that he has a great course about it. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys can should go check it out. So, you know, what would you say as you travel so much and then you being a <laughs> full-time entrepreneur for a while, uh, what would, would you care to share with maybe one of the funniest or embarrassed moments in this journey? Um, Sorry if I put you on the spot. No, no, you didn't. I always think I have embarrassing moments that are definitely not funny and funny moments that are not necessarily embarrassing. Oh, they just... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I'll share, just share one. No, I'll, share, I'll share two if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, a serious one and a not serious one. So when I, when I first started my blogging journey, six months into, into it, um, I was noticed in public. You know the story now. Uh, I was noticed in public uh, at a um, uh, at a, it was in America, so I was in a, at a Fourth of July party, and these two young ladies came up to me and asked me if they said, Are, "Is it really you?" And I thought, "Wow, you know, I've been doing this for six months, and finally, I'm getting noticed in public. It's about time." And I said, "Well, you know, I guess I guess it is, yeah." Uh, wow. Um, and they said, oh, I can't believe it. I'm like, oh, great. Uh, and, um, and, and they kind of looked at each other and they looked a little bit confused. They said, well, what are you doing here? I said, well, you know, my in-laws are here and they live nearby and we're, um, here for the holiday. And, um, at the time I was standing in line waiting for a pork chop sandwich. So I was like, I'm waiting for a pork chop sandwich. (laughs) Um, and they, um, and then they looked really confused and they looked at each other and looked at me and they said, but where's your accent? And I said, wait, who do you think I am? And they said, well, aren't you Ron Weasley from the Harry Potter movies? <laughs> and I said, right, you're jolly right I am. And I, I left, I ran away. Uh, so that was... Oh, you did uh, not let your British accent come out? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean, that was that was funny. And there were lots of embarrassing moments like that where I thought I was being noticed for one thing, I was being noticed for something else. Uh, an, an, an embarrassing moment that was a clarifying moment for me happened several years ago when I had uh, grown my business to a size that was too large to manage. And mm. I, I asked all these friends for feedback, including Michael Hyatt, who, who had been a mentor to me. Yeah. And everybody sent me an email. And then he asked to have lunch with me, which made me very nervous. Oh, that's so nice, though. Yeah, but I, I was like, I'm going to get a talking to. And I did. 
um, we sat down and, and I said, he said, so you asked me this question I wanted to answer. I said, oh, okay. He said, I think that you're, I think that you have to be careful that your success doesn't outpace your character. Wow. Don't let your success outpace your character. And I realized, oh, I, I thought the game was to just succeed as quickly as possible. I didn't realize it was possible to achieve a level of success that I might not be able to handle, right? I might not be mature enough to handle at this time. Um, so, yeah, that was, I mean, it was humbling and embarrassing mm. in a way where I, I felt like I had sort of disappointed him. <laughs> you know, he was a mentor slash father figure to me. Um, and it was, it was a bit, you know, a good moment. That was a very touching moment. I I don't feel yeah. it's uh, as I mean as outside that when I heard this, I don't feel it's embarrassing at all. But it's so inspiring for both sides of you. Sure. It, yeah. For yeah. him, right. he he willing to take the time in person. Yeah. Yes. And and for you, you willing to take it in. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah um, we always say that. Um, you know, after 18 years, we, we relocate everywhere. And also yeah, yeah. Uh, because the in-law ba- family background, everything, we always tell our kids, say, you need to be able to sit down with the kings, but yeah. you're also able to sit down with the beggars. Yeah. You know, sure. um, because there, there it's people is people. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, so I'm really touched by that. But Jeff, thank you so much. If you would say some uh, departing wisdom for our Christian entrepreneurs and they make a decision, say, I'm going to write a book in 2020, mm. what would that be? Um, start with a small goal. Don't try to write a book. Try to write a word. Try to write a page. Mm. Um, don't say writing a book is not a goal. Books don't get written. Uh, words get written. Sentences get written. Paragraphs get written. So I would set a goal of uh, 500 words a day. Mm. Um, and I have, um, there's a, um, uh, I have a, uh, a free online writing challenge. If you're interested in that, we do a 31 day writing challenge okay. that people can sign up for totally free. It's just a series of email prompts and there's a Facebook group that goes along with it. Um, and it's called my 500 words, my 500 words. You can just Google that and, and find it. Okay. Sign up for that. We'll put that in uh, the show note. Yeah, no pressure on that. But I mean, um, that's what I would, I would set a goal of writing 500 words a day. And by the end of the year, you'll have a book instead of saying, I'm going to write a book. Start writing. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jay, for your time today. And uh, so much wisdom. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. Did you enjoy the episode and took a lot of notes just like I did? I hope so. For all the goodies and show notes, please go to kellybother.com forward slash 075. Again, that's kellybother.com forward slash 075. Are you one of the Christian leaders that you would like to stand out, establish your own blue ocean, and create a profitable business you love and totally identity aligned? Well, if you are, I would like to invite you to access to one of my free masterclass actually was a live presentation on stage at my mentor Chris Docker's uh, annual signature event called Youpreneur Summit 
The presentation is called The Power of One Framework. And why is this so important? If you like to create a whole lot more impact in the coming year and beyond, you feel like you might hit a plateau in your business or you have been touring around in the base camp, meaning in the bottom of the mountain that God asks you to conquer, then this presentation is for you. With all transparency, when you access to that presentation, you will be also added as my VIP list for the coming signature program called the Power of One Framework. It's a mentoring program, and we cannot be more excited about this because we haven't seen anything that this for Christian entrepreneurs just yet. And are you surprised? Actually, probably not. Why? Because God always likes to show off His wisdom. And what do I mean by that? Four months before that presentation, I was crying out to the Lord, say, Father, how can we help? How can we get rid of the imposter syndrome? How can we stop the comparison game and shining object syndrome? How can we get as many as your children to the past identity aligned that what you have called them to do, create a whole lot more profit so they have the margin to give more and serve more. So if you feel resonate with this message, then go to kellybottle.com forward slash learn. I will see you there. Hi there. If you have found this episode resonating with you, would you please consider to take a moment and drop a review on iTunes? It will serve a fresh dose of blessings to those of us who work so hard to produce the content week in and week out. Please go to kellybottle.com forward slash review. Again, that's kellybottle.com forward slash review. We really appreciate it. And you will also help more fellow Christian CEOs find this podcast. Thank you so much. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Christian CEO Podcast at www.kellybotter.com.